What are the biggest questions this Utah football team needs to answer during spring ball? We're talking about that and the Utah women's basketball team making the Sweet 16 on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, we're closing in on 1,000 subscribers, so would appreciate if you guys liked, subscribed, commented. Just continue to support your show. That means the world to us here at Locked On Utes. My name is JT Wistow, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. You guys can follow me at JT Wistow on Twitter or follow our Twitter handle at Locked On Utes. Would love to interact with you guys there. On today's show, we'll be talking about the Utah women's basketball team making the Sweet 16, also a little bit on the Utah football coaching staff. But since spring ball is is literally two days away now from the time you guys will be listening to this. We got to talk about the biggest questions going in spring ball. And in order to help us do that, it's friend of the show and the former host of this podcast, in Brian Brown. And Brian, when you're talking about Utah football, the biggest question about this team in spring ball for me is who is going to be the starting left tackle? I'm sure everyone's all focused on the backup quarterback battle between Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes. And there could be a couple of wild guards through wild cards thrown in there too but at the end of the day that's not something i expect to get answered in spring ball i don't think we'll see that answer till fall camp just like last year it was i still remember the scrimmage that happened that officially said it where bryson barnes was qb2 jaquindon was qb3 spring ball was just fun to see them battle back and forth and get extra reps in but we didn't see an answer on that decision and look maybe we won't see a final answer on left tackle i i think we'll definitely get a leader in the pack after this one look it's such an important position to an offensive success and Braden Daniels was outstanding last year. First team all Pac-12, absolutely deserved it. Was lights out, protecting camp's blindside. And it's something the last two years, Utah has won the Pac-12 championship. In part, that's because of the pass protection and especially the play of their left tackle. Bamal Asseni was lights out too. We just talked about Braden. So going into this spring ball, I'm really excited to see, will it be Jaron Kump who takes the job back after being the original starter in 2021 before the injury? Will Falcon Kalmatule step up? Will Zara Williams step up? There's lots of names in here. And this is one of the three most important positions on a football field this utah football team has to get it figured out and then they got a bunch of guys that i'm really excited to see compete for come spring ball yeah and I, you know i love where you're coming from where you want to see who the left tackle is first and foremost because i think everybody else is asking who's going to be the backup quarterback that comes mm -hmm. out of spring i'm going to answer your question with another question mm -hmm. i want more questions i don't want any questions answered this spring I want more questions Ooh. to come up from okay. spring ball. And I told you I was going to come with a zinger. I wanted <laughs> to bring the uh, the high heat, the split finger coming out of the shoot. But that's really what spring is about. You want guys to step up that you've never heard of, never seen before. You want the dude who's walking down the street to stumble onto the field, run a 4-3-40, catch six touchdown passes in one practice, and suddenly get on scholarship. Because that means that this team is not content. That means that this team is not stable that means this team is still hungry after two straight pac-12 championships and one of the biggest questions i have about spring ball is about how is kyle whittingham going to handle a roster with so many guys coming back for a fourth mm -hmm. or a fifth season this is what he's always wanted right it's an nfl style team laden with experience a lot of returning starters you're only losing 
one major underclassman with with Clark Phillips and and obviously Dalton Kincaid who who graduated and you know Braden Daniels arguably had another year where he could come back right with a with a COVID year but four year starter and you talk about his grades with with playing you know in in 2021 he had an overall grade of 84.4 from PFF and in transferring over to the left tackle position it dropped a little bit down to 73 but that's still very good it's highly rated for a guy that's not even supposed to play left yeah. tackle <laughs> so it is a big position to replace right and i think that's part of the whole and we talk about questions, right? My curiosity is who's going to step up and make us ask more questions mm-hmm. this spring. You know, you, you mentioned Falcon Kamatule, Jaron Kump. Uh, what about Spencer Fano? Is yeah. that going to be a name that we have to throw in the mix now? Uh, is Utah going to suddenly run just four offensive linemen because they've come up with a new offensive concept? I don't know. Um, that's why they have practices. That's why you're going to have the luxury of going to watch practice for at least 20 minutes and, and, you know, we joke about it. It's always going to be the kicking session or, or special <laughs> teams. But I think that Kyle Whittingham is very selective about what he wants to show the media. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be fascinating to me because I think, again, we always talk about with press conferences and the media viewing sessions that that Kyle Whittingham is always trying to send a message to his team, not yeah. to the fans, not to the media to his team. And so who is he going to showcase as a way of sending that message, I think is a really fascinating question to add more questions to the question. It is going to be a lot of fun. And I remember going back to the last year's media availability, just being a student intern, helping collect interviews and, and do different things. And you could tell the intensity was still there at the end of practice. I can't, the coaches were still getting after guys late, which I think sure. is what you love to see is that it is still there in those opportunities. And I, first of all, so I just, I love the point that you made that it is more fun when we get more questions and there is more excitement thrown in the mix. Other guys are pushing for jobs. There's lots of breakout candidates, all those things. I think that would be fantastic. And it actually feeds into my second, well, I guess my third my second was saying like who will gain the edge in the quarterback two battle because i do think it's an important discussion especially because cam's availability for the first couple games still very much up in the air so it will be fun to watch and see how it shakes out but my second the other one i was mainly looking at was which wide receiver will step up because i think there was a lot of talk last year about this offense being more explosive it happened in games and at certain points in games i mean particularly against usc but outside of those games i mean i think about the oregon game the offense really didn't meet that mark that people had hoped so are we going to see makai cope really break out we saw what he did last year in the spring game where he had that one-hander took this team took the internet by storm but then didn't do a ton during the season is he going to be there emory simmons coming over how is he going to do in the transfer now and Mikey Matthews coming over. He's another guy. I think there's a lot of fun receivers. And outside of Devon Vele and Money Parks, who I expect to continue to be this team's number two, I'm excited to see what other receivers are going to step up. Yeah, I, I'm going to answer, ask another question is, do you really want a quarterback to take, you know, to step up and separate themselves from the pack? Or do you want them to continue to compete the way that they have all along? We, Brandon Rose kind of be, became the forgotten, uh, yeah. forgotten soldier, so to speak, the, uh, the Casper of the quarterback room in, in that he was a little bit of a ghost, but he's a guy that the staff thinks very highly of. And if you, I think if you were to really get them in a corner and, and get them to drop all the pretenses, and everything like that, they'd probably tell you it's a toss up between which one they like better with Brandon Rose and Nate Johnson. Mm-hmm. Add that to the mix with Bryson Barnes, who has the experience, you know, stepped in and and played in big moments. You know, his, his Rose Bowl game wasn't his best. Uh, but again, you know, some of that magic is not always just duplicable at the you know, yeah. snap of a finger. So do you really want a quarterback to emerge with an edge, you know, or do you want them to continue to grow equally and push each other all through spring? I think it's a unique 
preposition because we always think we want a back leader. And I think if you've got a guy like Brandon Rose who came in knowing that Nate Johnson was supposedly the guy and still wants to be here, maybe you want him continually to be pushed or be challenged every day so that it is a different guy. That's, that's, that's stepping ahead with the wide receiver, uh, 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 question. I got an answer. It might be the only thing I have an actual answer for. And it's money parks. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you go back and watch the Rose bowl tape, uh, the way money parks is running his routes, the way that he's able to cut the way he's able to decelerate into a break and accelerate out of it is so rare and unique. Mm -hmm. And you can see it in the first quarter. The Penn state cornerbacks are not ready for how good and how fast he is. Mm -hmm. His level of development has accelerated drastically. I'm excited to see how he does with a season under his belt to where he can earn Cam Rising's trust. I think one aspect of Cam Rising coming back is, is he going to make the reads or is he going to continue to trust his security blankets and Brant Keithy and Devon Vailey? It was a huge mistake that I made last spring when I evaluated him. I was like, man, Cam looks crisp. He looks on top of it. Really what he was doing is he was just finding where Devon Vailey was every time and Vailey was making the catches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Vailey is, is coming off some injury. We'll see how he does, how much he participates in the spring. Um, when he was healthy, he was great. When he wasn't healthy, it was a bit of a struggle. And, and we saw that a couple times in the Rose Bowl. You know, you'll remember the incompletion where uh, uh, they're at the, right right before the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Where Cam kind of uh, underthrows it a little bit and then yes. on, can't quite get to it. And there was a pass interference and blah, blah, blah. You know, those are plays that he made at the start of the season. So, you know, I think Vele comes in as the number one. Brandt Keithy, yep. obviously, is going to be back in the fall. We won't see him a lot in the spring. But I think this becomes the Money Parks show, really, for him to showcase and earn the trust of Nate Johnson, Brandon Rose, Bryson Barnes, while Cam Rising sits out. And that would be, I mean, for this to be the Money Park show would be absolutely outstanding. Outside of all the great shirts and things you can make out of saying uh, money in the end zone and Must all the other money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, this is where I park my money. Yes. The end zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only bank well, I trust, Money Parks. Yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> and Brian, before I will say one other thing, too, before I throw it back to you for something. Iron sharpens iron is one of the great things about football, right? And I think that is exactly what we're talking about. I talked about last Friday about how important it is in spring ball, just all the great things that it can provide for a team's success come the come the fall. I There's a quote I remember I used to have for a basketball poster that said, the time will come in winter that will ask what we're doing in the summer. Well, the same thing can apply for spring to fall for football because these are extra opportunities on the field. You don't get to put the pads on that much outside in the season, obviously, the only opportunity. So it's a great opportunity for the team to do it and – have iron sharper and iron. Brian, before we jump into our next segment, I want to give you a chance because I don't know if you saw, but a few weeks ago I had Jake on and we were talking about breakout candidates at the NFL Combine. I have never seen someone knock a take out of the park like he did talk about how Blake Freeland would absolutely dominate the Combine. You're talking about guys right now that you're excited that I might have a chance to break out. I want you to name the three guys because this is what we're going to be doing on tomorrow's Locked On Youth for a little bit of a tease for you guys listeners later. But who are your three guys that you think will be the breakout stars? Tao Johnson, the first one that comes to mind, I think that he's, you know, whether he finds a position on the offensive or the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball will kind of be the mystery with him. Uh, but I think he ends up being a, a breakout guy. Uh, I think Maneer McLean is a guy that mm-hmm. athletically fits the bill with that. Again, it'll be up to Maneer to do the work to, to really make sure that he solidifies himself uh, on the uh, on, on the positional aspect in in terms of becoming a true tight end right Mm -hmm. uh the physical stuff the receiving ability all that stuff is there 
Um, but we'll, I'm very curious about that. And the third is is a pretty simple acquisition. I think it's Jaquinta Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does as a true running back, you know, and, and learning how to read a defense from a running back perspective rather than a quarterback perspective because it's a different game, right? You know, as a quarterback, you're seeing the entire field. As a running back, there's just one or two guys or one or two areas that you have to focus in. And so I'm 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 excited to see how that transitions and and everything that he's done to really turn his body into a running back type body as opposed to being a pass thrower. So I think his buy-in to the position change has been drastic. Uh, I think that's a great sign for Utah fans. I think it's great that they're going to have a three or a possibly four headed monster at the running back position. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they've got a ton of experience coming back in that room. It might be one of the best rooms. I think it's the best room in the PAC 12. It might be one of the best running back rooms in the country. I 100% agree, and I don't think Jaquindon gets enough credit for it. it is Look, I know he was a running quarterback, but my gosh, over the course of a season, to have to go through fall camp playing quarterback, to start the season playing quarterback, and then just go, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'll am gonna go. i go running back now. And just to do what he did, over, especially come the close of the season. I mean, we talked about Connor O'Toole's in-season development. Connor O'Toole played the end in game one and the final game. Jaquindon came in the Southern Utah game in. He was still he was the third string quarterback at that point for him to then come on the way he did against Colorado against USC to have the flash he did against Penn State truly special and I think it speaks to why you're talking about this running back room so highly because it's him it's Makai there's lots of guys that are gonna make it really fun and special to watch and see and you got to be fired up about what this Utah football team is going to be able to do with a great opportunity come spring ball and part of that comes with the coaching that these guys get we're going to talk about the Utah coaching staff as it pertains to spring ball in a moment but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Bill Bar looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories and you got to try a Bill Bar we just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste then man i've just got just the thing for you as brian is holding up right there for you guys look at that uh you got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty seriously they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you perfect for your new year's resolution what makes built so good well for starters they're all covered in 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining um, maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is they are healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years we've talked about ordering your built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local smith's or sam's club that's right head to your nearest smith's or sam's club today and grab yourself a box of built bar you guys can thank me later after you guys have headed over to smith's or sam's club to grab those delicious built bars also i want to talk to you guys about our friends at uccu UCCU is opening a new branch in in Vineyard to celebrate. UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times for UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple driver planes, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate with UCCU and win the 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times for UTV. Winners will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is March 31st. You guys just got a couple days left to make sure you guys hit that entry deadline. So just about two weeks, actually, by the time you're hearing this, just days left for you to enter to win the 2023 Kawasaki Terry. Times for UTV. Stop by UCC's new branch in Vineyard to enter and win at uccu.com. Hurry, you don't have to even be a member at UCCU to enter, making there no excuse to get in on this, and there's no purchase necessary. UCCU, love where you bank. Brian, come back into this one. 
Now looking at the Utah coaching staff, I have over the past two weeks really previewed with different people. You came on to join me for the defensive line. Well, we have talked about all the different Utah positions. I think the last thing to talk about is just the coaching staff. One of the great things about this Utah coaching staff is think about someone like Notre Dame, right? Like they have a new offensive coordinator. That is going to be, that's a big thing you have to install during spring ball. What's nice is Utah doesn't have to do that. Yes, the receivers have to get used to Alvis Witt, a new receivers coach, but obviously that's the only small change. You got a guy in Emory Simmons who is obviously bought in because he was aligned with the vision that Coach Witt has. He was his first real addition to the room. So I think that'll be a pretty smooth transition overall. And it's just great that we're in a place with this Utah staff where there's not a lot of change. There's not a lot of turnover. Maybe they'll tweak some things, and we can talk about what they maybe should consider tweaking in a moment. But just great to have everyone back pretty much on both sides of the ball. It, it Continuity is key, right? It, it allows you to continue to build the culture uh, that's already been established there without having to generate a resume, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. you know, for people who have listened to Locked on Utes for years, they understand why I'm here. For somebody who's tuning in this week, they're like, who the heck is this goofy looking red haired dude in a green or blue shirt, depending on on how you see things? Uh, that's a big thing. They, they have to listen to me talk and, and, and figure out why it is that I'm showing up and, and, and everything like that. And they don't know my history. Uh, same thing is true with coaches in a in a room. They have to earn that credit. They have to present their resume every single day in terms of presenting their knowledge, helping these guys grow and improve. You know, I think when uh, Coach Bumpfus came in, he had the benefit of having Britton Covey in that room who was actively campaigning for him because Mm -hmm. Britton knew how good a coach he was. Coach Witted, he's going to have some work to do, right? He's going to have to get some buy-in from his guys. You mentioned Emery is is a guy that likely has that buy-in. Emery's dealing with a lot, right? Mm -hmm. New surroundings, new system, new coach, new teammates new footballs new pads new helmets <laughs> new jerseys it's even a new color red right mm-hmm. so uh all that stuff is is going to be tough on him for it's it's up to the guys in that room to make him a feel comfortable and b make the transit transition simply in, in all the other rooms guys know what to expect and and really what it's about is it's about guys like zero way Williams stepping up to the block mm-hmm. and, and earning a spot because he knows how to do it. Same with Tyler Knock, a guy who's been in the program. He knows what his coach expects. He knows that his coach has his back. How is he going to approach every single day stride for stride coming out and giving his best effort uh, for the defensive line? They've done a full year now with coach Ellis and, and Simone mm-hmm. knows to stay away from the cookies when he brings them in. Uh, you know, and, and likewise, the coaching staff knows that maybe if he's a few pounds over 340, we can still play Simone because he's going to yeah. get the job done. Exactly. So it's the, the things that, you know, you know, it, we always talk about the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. We know a lot about these devils, so to speak. Right. We know what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And so for that group, it takes away a lot of time in terms of trying to sift through and know who guys are or know what coaches are and what coaches are capable of and allows them to focus on the things that maybe they haven't done as well in areas where they need to grow. Absolutely. And it is such a great thing. Once again, this team has so much continuity coming back to it to be able to help them out and assist them in that regard. It's, it's a double-edged sword in some respects, right? Mm -hmm. So you love the continuity. You love the fact that Kyle Whittingham has been there for 20 years. Are they talented enough as coaches? Are they uh, dedicated enough to dig deep and really challenge themselves 
or does this give them a sense of security to a degree to where that maybe they keep things the same? You know, we've talked about it. Utah has an opportunity with, with this team to maybe do some things differently and introduce some more, uh, more technically advanced uh, uh, philosophies or, or schematic, you know, advantages in terms of plays and things like that. And, and, and I believe Andy Ludwig kind of mentioned that they're going to tweak the playbook a little bit mm-hmm. because they have an experienced group. How does this, you know, staff handle that and how do they challenge themselves every single day because they've been there for a while. You know, I think anybody who's listening to this is married knows that, you know, you're five, six, seven in the marriage, things maybe get a little stale in some areas. What are you going to do on an every everyday basis to make sure your spouse still falls in love with you? Right. Same with this coaching staff. What are they going to mm-hmm. do on a daily basis to make sure that their players still don't fall in love with them? And what are they going to make sh- do on a daily basis to make sure that their co-workers continue to grow and develop i think it's you know we love the continuity until we don't right Mm -hmm. and and if things get stale or or maybe you know people too well and and in an industry where we see so much changeover there is potential where it could be a bad thing i don't think that's Mm -hmm. the case here right like i think in utah it's a different world it is a different system it's a different culture uh and i think that plays to their advantage especially going into the pac-12 one thousand percent and it's something that's going to be fun to see how they all work together and you mentioned the tweaks i think that'll be the interesting thing what are they looking to tweak i think for me what i think they're going to be looking to tweak is the offense just trying to make it a little more explosive having a guy like money parks who you last year we were talking about this group's going to be more explosive but it's like well there's not a burner really i think that was the one mistake we all kind of made it was like well money could be the guy mckay could be but money didn't emerge until later in the season. I think what's nice is you've got him coming in off last season's momentum. So I do expect them to be able to open the offense up a little bit. Brian, if they run the ball on third and long more times than one this season, I will be bald. I'm already heading that way, but I will pull the rest of my hair out if that continues. So Andy, if you do ever watch this show, please don't run the ball on third and long. I know it's a long time away from the start of the season, but please don't do that. And then I think the big thing defensively is just once again, kind of what they figured out late in the season. Don't be afraid to get exotic, throw different fronts out there because you, to your point, what you talked about when we talked about the defensive line, the mayor of Sac, Sac Lake City, at least as we sit right now, maybe Jonah makes a jump, something like that. At the moment, he's not on this roster. So what do you have to do? You have to get creative. You can't just let Caleb Williams have eight seconds in the pocket and then run for 50 yards every time. You have to get creative and bring different things and really unlock different packages. Let some of your speedy linebackers get to work and get back there. I think to me, those are the changes I look to be made kind of going into the season rather than had to be made so late in the season that really helped this team out. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think one is is getting your new players acclimated to their new mm-hmm. positions, right? You know, Teo Johnson listed on the roster as a corner. We have Mickey Sukunduranga listed as a tight end. Uh, so you want to make sure that those guys get acclimated quickly, and, and that helps. I think schematically, you make a great point of the Utah offense. They need to be more explosive, right? And it needs to be more consistent. I think part of it is is schematically, you want to make sure that all 11 guys are executing their job at the same time. Because every play they have designed and called will be so well researched and so well analyzed by this staff that it should, you know, eight times out of ten, seven times out of seven times out of ten, be the right call to get Utah a big play. If you can hit on seven out of ten plays, that's going to put you into the national mm-hmm. championship game. I'll just say it right now. Utah's offense was good enough, I think, at times uh, to be a a playoff level offense. Uh, the defense at times, I think, looked a little bit weaker but what the difference was is that 
you know, that offense just never had the explosive firepower. So you talk about versatility in terms of front on defense. I think really what it's about is you got to get guys ready right now to technically be prepared for it, to, to mentally be prepared for it, and to have the knowledge base schematically to know what to do when they see a different variety of looks. And so spring, it's about fundamentals, right? You're establishing these guys so they know every single little basic thing that they need to do across the board for your, you know, your, your easy plays. And then what it becomes about offensively, I think is, you know, using your motion to your advantage and, and maybe throwing people off a little bit in terms of how you've motioned in the past. Right. So it's little tiny tweaks. I don't think we're going to see a ton more of four and five wide sets. That's just not Utah's thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they'll be a little bit more versatile with how they use their personnel groupings. You know, I think that's one thing that if I look back at the season, there were times where they were putting Logan Kendall out as a flex wide receiver. And and there's no need to do that when you're coming Mm -hmm. out of the huddle. Yeah, you know, so I I think those are the things that that I look at for that offense. That if you put a you know a, a Money Parks or a you know Devon Vale in there, or even a, a Sidney Mbanisor uh, at that position instead of Logan Kendall, it changes how the defense plays, right? And so I think that alone could be enough to make an explosive play uh, defensively. I want to see Morgan Scali get more in his bag, where it's not so much the second time around that he takes some risks. I'd, I'd like to see him take some more risks the first time around and not, not mm-hmm. be so uh, protective. I think of these guys that sometimes I, I think Utah is very adamant about making sure that they have fundamentally sound football players. I'd like to see a few guys kind of get out there and make some mistakes in, in some exotic situations. And then I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of exotic that everybody's going to automatically think of. I, I want to see a lot more of that three, three, five looking set that Utah mm-hmm. has and, and getting some versatility. You've got some amazing safety talent. Who's going to be the guy that, that, that that's the post safety. Who's going to be your alley safety. You know, how are you going to use Sione Vaki who, you know, we've seen play a lot of, of nickel in, in, in that kind of position. How are you going to use him in, in a more versatile sense as he's really starting to nail down the technique? I think those are all, Really fascinating questions. I don't have the answers. I wish I did. Uh, if I did, I probably would be taking the job at USC away from uh, <laughs> Alex Grinch. But I, I think yeah. that's <laughs> that's the uh, that's that's what this coaching staff is tasked with is getting these guys developed so they can do so a lot more of that kind of stuff. How long has Alex Grinch even been? He's been hailed as like a defensive guru for a while, and under Lincoln, he has never turned that defense around. I mean, we're going on like five years now, and they continue to be where exactly they've been. Yeah, it, it's it, it. I don't know, man. Like, it's I think crazy. He had one good season under Mike Leach, and apparently that was enough. But like, yeah. uh, especially with those air raid guys, it can be a very tight knit group, and and there's there's some reason that Lincoln keeps going back to the barrel with Grinch and, and mm-hmm. maybe this is the season where we really see it come to fruition. I mean, I they got some talented about. guys back there. We know that. Yeah. And I know Utah fans don't want to hear that from me, especially because uh, they love the fact that they own USC right now. <laughs> they definitely do. And that's one that's, man, that's still fascinating to think. I wonder just how that game's going to play out. It's what makes the season so exciting. And the arrival of spring ball means we're getting closer to it. But you know what else is really exciting? The Utah women's basketball team. We're going to come back and talk about them in a second as they officially reach the Sweet 16 now. Crazy to say it out loud, but it is incoming. We're going to talk about them in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. 
The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the points scored to threes drained. As FanDuel said, the point, the games are heating up because the tournament is winding down. we got the Sweet 16 in the men's and in the women's, and there's great opportunities for you to get in the action at FanDuel. You can go and bet on things like the money line, the player props, points scored, rebounds, so many great things. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And this, I'm not just talking about the NCAA tournament. I'm talking about the NBA, too, because as we wind down, how about the Utah Jazz, like, by the way, heating up? If you guys want to head over and get in on that action, make sure you guys head over to FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment matter more visit fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Brian, coming back into this one, uh, first, I think we, I'll say this. How's your, how's your bracket looking after this weekend? What bracket JT? I didn't, <laughs> you didn't make one? No, I would never fill out <laughs> papers with picks that I lost. I, it, I'm like the rest of America where I'm trying to piece together any kind of way that I can win my, my bracket challenge, but it's not going <laughs> to happen. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the fun part about this time of year. And, and I love parody like this where, a 16 seed can knock out a one seed, even if that one seed was maybe picked by somebody on this podcast to be a final <laughs> four team. Who knows really in, in these situations, uh, uh, JT, what, what things might've happened. But what I do know is that a university of Utah basketball team is going to the sweet 16 and they earned it the hard way. They absolutely did earn it the hard way. And the last thing I want to say before we jump into that is March is always so funny because I know for me, I picked like Arizona and Kentucky to go far. You didn't pick like- Northern Arizona to go all the way. I did not pick Northern Arizona. I just picked Arizona to go pretty far. Northern Arizona next year, though. Mark it down. Northern Arizona next year winning the whole thing. But um, it's funny because like if you pick Arizona and uh, Kentucky to go, I picked them to go like all the way, and then they lose, and I'm like, or I just picked them to go with Final Four or something like that, and I'm like, why every year do I take upsets? Why do I take risks? And then I picked. I just had a feeling about this Arkansas team because they were talented, so I picked them to beat Kansas. And then I was that meme with the one bowling guy where he's like, that is why I did it. That is why that is where i'm feeling back it's like this is why i think you are i am am. (laughs) that's what makes march so great and one of the things that makes march so great this year is that we have a team making a deep run in the tournament and that is the utah women's basketball team they got it done against princeton we knew they'd get it done against gardner webb look the princeton game it was ugly i mean got off to the 2012 first quarter start but the end of the day, the game got sloppy late. Lots of fouls, both sides of the ball. But Alyssa Peely did what she always does, 28 from her. Jenna Johnson showed up with a solid 15. And look, doesn't matter if it was their prettiest win of the season or anything like that. All that matters in March is that you survive and advance. And that is what the Utah Women's basketball team did, Brian. I call that a rock fight that uh, rock fights could be envious of. And and really, that was the goal <laughs> of Princeton was to make this a, a, a knuckle punch 
type battle because that was the only way that they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. And, and Elisa, Alyssa Peely was not going to let that be the case. She was great down the stretch. She put Utah up early on. You know, credit to Princeton for hanging in there and making it a defensive slugfest. You know, I think at times you, know, you mentioned Deanna Neepins didn't have a great game shooting, yeah. but she was still excellent at getting the ball at the court, mm-hmm. getting the offense initiated and trying to get things going quickly. And, and really when Utah executed, especially uh, when they would run kind of their weave there at the top of the key, uh, they found easy buckets. It was when they kind of got out of sync a little bit and, and didn't play their to their strengths that they really started to struggle a little bit. And Princeton was able to take advantage. Now Princeton didn't shoot the ball very well either. And that's a huge credit to Utah's defense, yes. which I thought was phenomenal all game long. Also, Princeton threw a ton of looks, whether it was pressure, it, it was uh, you know three quarter press, uh, whatever they were doing, it, it was working to a degree. And and I will uh, avoid the fine and and not mention anything about the officiating crew because uh, who knows what a block and charge is anymore uh, in basketball? It's it's almost worse than asking what a catch is in the NFL. But it's, yeah. The end of the at the end of the day, it was a win for the Utah women's basketball team, mm-hmm. and and it was in front of nine thousand people, which yeah. may have been the highest draw of any team uh, for basketball that season. And they go to the Sweet Sixteen now with having put themselves through a tough, rough, gritty fight to win, and they led wire to wire, and that mm-hmm. to me speaks volumes about this team, this group and just how gritty and tough they are, and they find ways to win even when the shots aren't falling. Exactly. Finding ways to win. That is the key to all this, and it's so great that the women's team was able to do that. And once again, it was a great atmosphere at the Huntsman. Shout out for you guys for showing up. Now they get LSU. It's going to be fun to talk about that one. And talk about a little bit of this podcast. Yeah, LSU's only lost two games, but there's a reason they weren't a one seed despite that. Their rest of their schedule, not that pretty. They haven't seen a team like Utah all season, and I'm really excited to see what this Utah women's basketball team is going to be able to do. Also, you mentioned those 9,000 people. You guys can comment at me if I'm absolutely wrong. Um, and David, you can get mad at me too since you're my boss technically, but I swear I saw David lock at that game as well. So shout out to David for being there as well, the founder of the Locked On Network. So, so great to see all the support you guys drummed up. And it's going to be fun to see if this team can keep it going because, man, what a fun couple of days of basketball. And so cool that the, the youths were able to host this up at the Huntsman, this tournament. You know what else the youths were able to host, Brian? Well, I guess pretty much host, right? Because the Maverick Center is basically here. And the Utah Women's Gymnastics team, I mean, look, we're running out of time because we're going to dive into this another day more so. But they became the first team to win three straight Pac-12 championships since the conference expanded in 2012. I mean, just incredible stuff by Coach Fartum and the team. I mean, just apt Fartum and the team. I mean, absolutely outstanding, Brian. And my hat's off to them for another incredible performance and just becoming, I mean, we talk, they're a dynasty. But every year you got to reaffirm and prove like, hey, dynasty didn't end. It's still going. And especially in terms of Pac-12 play, the Pac still runs through Utah, and that hasn't changed. It hasn't, and, and this is a – finely tuned uh outfit for sure they they don't flinch in the face of competition when it comes to the pac 12 and you know coach farden has done a great job of carrying on the legacy but i think even more so than that it's about the group of women that go out and compete all the time in a sport that really makes competing a struggle uh they have to deal with judges and and the flaws and fallacies of that whole system and you know it is such a, such a i don't want to say nitpicky sport but a specific sport to where it has to appear a certain way. So even if you do execute, sometimes it doesn't appear that way to somebody else. And and to have that kind of grit and toughness to fight through and constantly perform the way they do, it is uh, 
Uh, I can never be a gymnast for that reason, JT. Sure? I need the I need the ball to go in the hoop. I don't know, uh, Brian. I think I think you can listen, pull it off. You've never seen my balance beam stuff. <laughs> I, you, uh, but and my uneven bars would be even by the end of it yeah. because they both be on the ground. Let's be honest. But um, you know, I need the I need the ball to go in the hoop to know that I got two points, right? Like that's I agree I'm that you. kind of person. I can't just allow somebody else to tell me whether or not it was good. Uh, I have so much respect and admiration. I would love yes. to see them, you know, like if we could put together like maybe a seven on seven team with them and, and watch them really compete, you know, with something mm-hmm. like that, that would be super fun. Uh, but regardless, just because I don't understand gym, understand gymnastics. And I, I, I look, look the inches that they miss, <laughs> like things by, I can't even recognize, right? Like <laughs> I got a four, size 14 foot. It's never going to work. Um, so I have a ton of respect for how precise they are, how hard they work, and, and the kind of athletes that they are. And really, I think this is just uh, – it's funny because you almost treat three straight Pac-12 championships like, yep, this is what we expect from this group. But, yeah, but that's the thing. It becomes monotonous. But at the same time, it's like that is really hard to do, and that is what makes it so incredible and such an outstanding achievement. And look, it's just a great time to be a U right now. We got the women's basketball team, obviously, in the Sweet 16. We got the gymnastics team looking to make another deep run in the turn in the NCAA tournament for them as well. And then Utah football, spring ball is back. Brian, what kind of stuff do you have coming up for content-wise? Uh FBB, you can check us out at footballbreakdowns.com. Uh I think Eric Jensen, a mutual friend of ours, has a, a winners and losers of NFL free agency coming up. And I will definitely have spring ball content. Uh, been working on a piece about something that uh, I'm excited. I'll just tease it like that and uh, you know, check it out. And then always the uh, football breakdowns podcast feed. So we're just waiting for, uh, you know, JT to stop being so busy so he can come on and help us celebrate <laughs> the star state. Is that video um, or just, excuse me, what you're teasing? Is that your gymnastics routine? Is that what you're alluding to? <sighs> check out the Instagram, <laughs> follow us at FB breakdowns on Instagram to see. Only one way to find out. Brian, always great having you on. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, my man. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, you guys got to check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. I know I've been talking about it for a while now, but come on. With the weekend we just had of March, I mean, I would argue it's one of the best weekends of first week madness I've ever seen. For your second listen, we recommend you check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. Expert Isaac Shaden, Andy Patton, bringing everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you can hear from big name experts, coaches, players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you guys come back tomorrow. So we'll be talking a few more things about spring ball. We'll be diving a little bit more into those breakout players, see how they're going to do, and talking a little bit more about the Utah men's basketball team, seeing what they're going to need to do if they eventually want to put themselves in position to be in the NCAA tournament. That's all coming up on tomorrow's Locked On Eats.